Ashley Taylor, the owner of Taylor and York Salon in Washington, D.C., is a salon owner, mother, master colors, mentor, educator, and plant enthusiast. She's been doing hair for 26 years, owning a salon for 11 years, and currently building out her educational platform. Today, we're going to hear her story to building a career and opening a salon. Welcome back to Hairdresser Strong Show. I am your host, Robert Hughes, and today I'm here with Ashley. How are you doing today, Ashley? I'm good, Rob. I'm good. You mind if I call you Rob? Uh, sure. Robert? Most people call me Robert. Okay. Thanks for so, having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing your story. So um, why don't you go ahead and just get jump right in and get started and tell us, uh, you know, like what, tell us your story, how you got into hair and, uh, you know, more specifically how you built your career and, op- and you know, became a salon owner. Got you. Um, I. For the longest time, I, when I say longest time, I mean from, you know, any time when you're a kid, people ask you, what do you be when you grow up? Hairdresser was the farthest, the farthest thing from, from my pool to choose from. Um, I remember always wanting to be a teacher. So I think that, you know, fast forward 20, apparently 30 plus years later, that's where education comes in. but. My brother's girlfriend at the time, she was a hairdresser and she hated, she hated it. And that was the, that was the impression that I got. Now, mind you, I always had the ability to, to do it. I was doing my hair, my sister's hair, friend's hair, but I'd never seen it. I don't know. I'd never seen it in a beautiful light or a welcoming light or an industry that I wanted to be a part of. So I didn't do anything with college, sucked at that. And I went to, I, rem- I went to Bethune Cookman and then Bowie State. And I remember second semester at Bowie State, I'm like, what am I doing here? It was like, literally, what am I doing here? And I'd already had the plan. I was going to come home Thanksgiving and tell my mother that, you know, I don't want to do this anymore, but I do have a plan. And that plan was to go to cosmetology school, get my license and be a hairdresser. Um, that's what happened. Came home, told her <laughs> and um, went to Hair Academy. That's I think Hair Academy still exists, but Hair Academy in New Carrollton. Went there and. Um, it was great. I, I knew I wanted to go just to get the license. Like the license was going to be my ticket into any door for hairdressing because you think, you know, I didn't know anything past what I was probably 19, 19 at the time. Didn't know anything past that. So you're thinking you just get your license and then all these doors open up and that's all you need. Farthest thing, farthest thing from the truth. Went through school. Uh, graduated, got my, actually got my license in Virginia and went through the reciprocity process to get it in DC. And so I worked, I worked at a little place called Trade Secret in, uh, Charles County, St. Charles Town Center Mall and worked there for maybe a year and a half. Those years been kind of blurs after a while. And I was, it 
It was good. I built my reputation. Mine, we're talking Southern Maryland. So Southern Maryland in like 90, 97, 98 is nothing like it is now. I was putting ads in the <laughs> ads in the penny saver, um, doing these like off-brand photo shoots, like there was no camera phone. So it's literally like these little disposable cameras. And um it was truly a testament to like, if you're good and good work, you do good work, people will come. Like nothing about that has ever changed. So I just, something that dawned on me, like we yeah, I just posted a picture and it was good. Um, I got bored because again, it's Southern Maryland in like 1997. So there was no foot traffic. There's this country. And I, Stopped working there, and a friend of mine at the time, she worked at, um, uh, she worked, she was the manager at Trade Secret, and talked to her, told her I didn't want to, you know, do this anymore, and I was going to go work in a salon called Natural Motion. Now, Natural Motion is, was, I can't say was, the premier salon for professional Black women. Like, Premiere. So we're talking 80s. I would dare say maybe late 70s. I don't know, but definitely the 80s and the 90s. And that was the salon that you went to or and went through, you know what I mean? To be to get your feet wet, to get established and build that clientele. I lasted there, Robert, for probably, oh my gosh, maybe six months. It just, it, I didn't fit in there. And it's one of the things I learned later on, you know, when you start to unpack your life and reflect on things. And I remember like, well, what kind of style? I'm black, but I don't really do black hair. This is what I'm saying in my mind at the time. And that developed a thirst really for me to even want even more. So I know a while ago I said bored, but it wasn't bored. I was, um, I was searching, searching for my identity as a person, mind you, 19, you're still a baby. Um, and then finding like, who am I as a hairdresser? Thinking that I, I still had these years of things to happen. Um, and realizing I didn't know anything, but I didn't go into it with that attitude. I didn't go into it with like, I need to learn more. It was very much like, well, I'm, I'm the gift you should be grateful to have. Ridiculous just saying it now. But so, and I said, you know what? I want to go to New York. And there were some signs along the way that it was just meant to be. There's a, um, DC-based stylist, um, legendary, legendary stylist. Her name is Sonia Mullins. She's no longer uh, in the area, but she, there was just something about seeing textured hair with a beautiful cut and a beautiful finish. And she mastered that. Like a lot of us that are here today need to tip our hats to Sonia. That's another conversation for another day. She was a pioneer for, um, for African-American hair and just the finish was just incredible. 
So while I, I met her at Natural Motion, and her work is just, it was stunning. So fast forward, want to move to New York and make it big up there. I get there. I write this lady. Um, there was this magazine called Honey. <laughs> and the lady's name was Ketley, Ketley Joseph, Haitian woman. She had a salon called, I'm going to butcher the name, but I think it's Tour de, Tour de Boutte. I don't know. But she was a hairdresser in New York, had this beautiful salon. So I was like, that's what I want to do. So I wrote her a letter. My, this, there's no DMs, no, no messaging on social media. I'm literally writing her a letter. Um, she calls because, hey, I got your letter. Thought it was great. Um, I'd love to, you know, to meet with you. Catch a Greyhound to New York. And the moment I, it was like the, maybe a fourth floor walk up on West 34th Street, right across the street. Or Madison Square Garden. Open the door, and I'm walking up, and there's a picture of Sonia's work right on the wall. I start crying because I'm like, "Oh, this is it! This is, this is it! This is my sign that I'm supposed to be in New York because I know the lady who did this work." So I remember rushing downstairs after talking with Kelly. Everything was great. She was like, "Okay, where can you start?" And I'm like, as soon as possible. Mind you, I had so many responsibilities. I was, I was young and had no idea of how, what it really meant to be a responsible adult. So I rushed downstairs, call my mother on a payphone, mind you, call my mother on a payphone. So I'm crying to her. And she thinks that something's happened because why she doesn't want her daughter in New York by herself. I'm like, no, I saw Sony's work. It's meant to be. I'm going to finally be that hairdresser in New York. <laughs> Fast forward um, to what the reality of the situation was. I can say I probably had four clients. I probably saw four clients while there in, in New York. I was in New York for about a year. Okay. I'm going up every weekend, <laughs> driving. I had a friend who had an Amtrak connection. So got tickets there, getting up there, nowhere to stay. So I'm sleeping on sofas. I'm sitting in my car. I'm sleeping on, like, in random strangers' rooms. And this is, it's the energy. It's the, the marriage of being young, full of energy and ambition and the energy of New York, because there are a lot of that. There's a lot of that energy up there. So everybody's, you know, trying to make it. And that didn't happen, <laughs> clearly. But New York, it was the, um, I saw what I needed to do. And I was reading a book at the time called The Seed of the Soul by Gary Zirkoff, because that, that energy and that passion, it started to dwindle. Like, okay, um, I don't have any money left. I was starting to make some really reckless decisions that nobody in my family nor myself would be proud of. And I was like, no, it's time to come home. And came home and I remember looking in the paper, in the paper, crazy, looking in the paper and there was an advertisement for salon assistant at high end salon. So I'm like, okay, it was speaking my language. And that salon ended up being Bill Lawrence Salon, heart of Adams Morgan. And that, now, Bill Lawrence Salon, 
another pioneer, legendary salon. We're talking 80s for professional Black women. I've never seen African-American hair be treated the way that he approached it. And he approached it in a way that hair is just hair. So we're talking round brushing. We're talking sassoon cuts on women that are coming in who are CEOs, who have furs, who have drivers. And to a mind, I'm probably 21 now. And I was, I was blown away. And I learned, like, if it had not been for Bill Lawrence Salon, I, I promise you, none of Taylor New York wouldn't be. Um, just so, so much I learned as an assistant, um, which I hold so much value in that position. And I know, we'll, I, I'm sure we'll talk about that later, but I learned so much just being an earshot, being an eyesight of things that I didn't know were seeds that were being planted that would eventually bloom years later. I was there for about five years as an assistant and um, <laughs> left there with another stylist, name is Bogart, and moved to Bow 26 on 14th Street. And we're talking now, fast forward, 2005. And worked there. And that's when I first got on the floor because he, uh, he told me, like, you know, it's, it's time. You've assisted for all these years. And there's also a safety net in assisting. You know, you have a, which you could say a steady paycheck. You're getting your tips. You're learning no real responsibility. You know, um, so it's safe. But it was other people that had to tell me, like, yo, it's it's time now. What are you afraid of? It's it's time. And um, left there, styled there. I started out working on Saturdays and Sundays, like after my assistantship. Then left there and moved to my hair suite. Matthew Yates owned it at the time. So now we're talking Eastern Market, Capitol Hill, D.C. And that began that began the ball rolling in terms of building my confidence, um, gaining clientele. That's where I began being known for doing blowouts without a relaxer. Um, and that, that carried me to this day, to this day. Left there and went to uh, Corte. Corte was on U Street, 11th and U, um, guy named Carlos, Carlos Perina. And that was another pivotal moment in, in my journey where I'm in this beautiful salon, multicultural salon, where we're doing everything from color to cuts to blowouts. And I remember, I remember when I was on the interview with him on the uh, patio in the back. And I was just, I was so grateful to be, because I was in limbo. I had this clientele, didn't know where I was going. Um, because, let me backtrack. When I was at my hair suite, um, things abruptly ended. Let me just say that. Where I was in a space like, oh shit, I have all of these clients. I don't know where I'm going to go. My girlfriend, Nora, 
she said that she know she was working at the space called Corte and was going to put in a word for me. So I went. Um, and, real question: um, Was um, my hair sweet? Was that a uh, a sweet, or was that were you a commissioned salon stylist? Um, my hair sweet was. It's okay. It's okay. My hair sweet was. No, there was no, there was no like salon suites, nothing of the sort at the time. But I think that's just what he called it. So it was about four or five chairs, okay, salon and different, you know, stylist. So that's you know his, yeah, it was his initials and my hair suite. So gotcha. That was that was that. Um, so I'm talking to Carlos, and little did I. No, he wanted me just as much as I wanted to be there. So that was, a, it was a beautiful, a beautiful beginning of a relationship because I was bringing something that he was fascinated with. And I was entering into an environment that I was fascinated with. The salon was absolutely gorgeous, Robert. It beautiful. Um, uh, Carlos prided himself on making the salon experience extraordinary for clients, for anybody that walks through the door. And that's another thing, like to this day, I, that is a part of, that's the ethos. It's the salon experience for the client has to be beautiful from when they're sitting and what they're seeing, water, coffee, tea, conversation. Just, it was a beautiful thing to learn and witness because I hadn't really seen anything like that um, up until then. So worked there, gained a lot of experience. Um, and I was a stylist, but still, you know, the journey, you're, you're always learning. You're always learning until you're not. So I was just taking in different things, different techniques. Um, he was a Schwarzkopf-based salon, so I was learning. He was a colorist, so I'm learning different color techniques. I was n- nowhere in the color. I did not, color didn't come until later, but just seeing his passion for it, it stayed with me. Um, so I was there for about two years and it was time, it was time for me to go. Um, things were, were changing. So it was time for me to go and worked at a salon called exclusives and exclusives was a booth rental salon. So I knew that my next, I didn't want to be like a salon hopper, just jumping from salon to salon. I knew it was time to time for me to open my own. And when I say open my own, meaning I wanted to bring my interpretation of what the salon experience could be. Everything that I'd learned and experienced up until this point, like, okay, how can I put my spin on this? So I needed to be somewhere um, where I could essentially gain capital. And that was being at uh, exclusives. (laughs) And I'm laughing. Because I think like the rent was like one twenty five a week, something wow. crazy. Can you imagine? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Crazy, crazy. So, needless to say, I gained the capital. I was there uh, for about two years, and that was not by not by choice because I'm there. And beginning the process of opening my own salon, but had no idea about the licensing and the certifications that you need to open. 
<laughs> so I'm there way longer than I wanted to be because I'd already secured the space. But of course, anybody who's ever ever dealt with DCRA, <laughs> oh goodness, you go. It's uh, so literally, it was like a year of me going on Mondays. That's the only days I had to old, like, okay, you have this, but no, you need this. It that was a year of where I just had to surrender to it. Like, I don't know, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, but I guess when it's time for me to go, then it's time for me to go. Then I specifically remember December 19th, 2012. I went, and of course, you know, you're so ready for them to be let down to let you down again. And I passed that step and they were like, here's your business license. And that opened the door. And I remember sending an email out to clients. Like we will be in 1604 7th Street that Tuesday. Nice. And that was it. That was it. Nice. That's awesome. Um, so I want to go back a little bit and I got a couple questions. Uh, so, so you go to cosmetology school, you get out of school and then you get, did you work at a salon while you were in school or did you wait until you finished because you were like under the impression that a license would be the end all be all to opportunity? I did. I worked at, um, I was assisting actually. I was assisting for a little bit. Um, but I was also at home. So primarily my focus was just going to school. So I was a full-timer. So we go, so it was like nine to three. And then I try to, you know, pick up some, some work, being a shampoo assistant. Um, I was living in Bowie at the time. So there was no real, like the salon, there was no salon scene like it is in DC. Gotcha. So a lot of times I would have to come into the city to see if there was anything that I could do. Um, but yeah, I was at home most of the time. Okay. And so getting your job at your, so the salon that you worked at after school, um, can you, how did that, how did you get that job? Uh, like, I, uh, think I just went in and asked, did you okay. want, you know, do you need a shampoo assistant? So how long did and, you assist until you got your got on the floor uh, after you got out of school? Um, once I got, I can't, I, it wasn't a lot. It was on weekends and it, it was so, I can't even really, I remember where it was, but it wasn't an environment for like, learning okay got it or i didn't really learn anything there if i did it was definitely a okay i know what not to do okay. or i know the importance yeah and i i respect that part of, of of you know my journey too and i wasn't there was just nothing to do she wasn't a there wasn't a heavy clientele so a lot of it was just like sitting around just waiting for someone to come through the door. Um, and that gets boring after a while. So I think after that, I did just focus on school. Um, I worked at, <laughs> I worked at TJ Maxx. I worked at TJ Maxx. That's crazy. Um, 
and then, yeah, that was on the weekends and like after, like leaving school and then going to TJ Maxx. It's crazy. So when but you it was, got out it was of good. So you got out of school and uh, you uh, working in a salon and you sounds like you were on the floor pretty soon after school. Is that accurate? Okay. Yes. And, okay. And, and you moved around to a couple different salons. So like how many salons did you work at before you went to New York? I worked at Trade Secret. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was a like probably what the original, the OG salon on suites <laughs> was, and this was still in Charles County. And I worked there and I worked there for a little bit um, because I was putting out way more revenue than I thought I was going, you know, that I was bringing in. And it just economically, it, it wasn't feasible, wasn't sustainable, yes. right? So you went out on your own early and then realized that that wasn't the move? Oh, yeah, because I thought I knew everything. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> like, no, I knew everything. Are you crazy? Why aren't they coming in? I do good work. <laughs> no. Yeah. It was a series. It was a series of that. Thinking that I knew ev- everything that there was to know. It was so yeah. green. Was so green. So remember, green and so broke. <laughs> yeah, I remember being uh, 18, 19, 20 and knowing everything too in the world. Everything there was to know. Um, and that was before Google, I think. Or maybe not. I don't know. I feel like... Oh, way before <laughs> any of that. Yeah. That's the funny thing. Way before any of that. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I appreciate... I can laugh at it now, but it was it was pathetic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, live and learn. Right. Uh, So hopefully uh, anybody who's young and up and coming uh, is listening to this and uh, hopefully they at least heed a little bit of advice. But um, anyway, so you uh, you go to New York, you have this experience and uh, and that changes your your trajectory, you know, kind of gives you a little bit about and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. that gives you kind of your idea, your you know, be, the beginning of your vision for where you kind of wanted to be end up. Is that is that right? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. Like you know the vibe. Like New York, <laughs> you have to experience it. And this was pre nine eleven. This was it was an energy. It still is. Um, but you learn so much about life. And as a, as a hairdresser and salon owner now, you realize how much life is a part of the salon experience and being a hairdresser. You can't have one without the other. And I mean, mind you, depending on what type of hairdresser you want to be, but I knew the, the like where I am now, I hearken on my experience in New York, shit, York, the York and Taylor and York is because of New York. It changed me that much. It impacted me that much. And mind you, I had a handful of clients. So it wasn't about the hair. It wasn't about what I thought that I knew and was a master at. It was the experience and watching other hairdressers with like 18, 19 clients a day. And I 
but I just, I remember those experiences. I remember those experiences. Um, and it's, it's a major part of who I am today. And just a part of whether it's New York, whether someone is moving to California or wherever, but you have those experiences that kind of change, that alter your course. And if you, if you heed to it, you'll use it in the coming years and realize like, no, I'm always learning just because you have this license. Doesn't, it means nothing. You know what I mean? It just, it means in the grand scheme of things has nothing to do with retention with how you're going to pay your bills, it has nothing to do with that. It's about, you know, what you're living, what you're learning. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, I think the license is the first step. Uh, I, I, yeah. don't, I, I think that's kind of it. It's the very first, it's the first thing you got to accomplish. And if you can accomplish salon experience while you're working towards your license, even better. Uh, yeah. so that's just my own opinion. So you, I want to, um, you know, before we cut, before we wrap it up here, I want to know what you mean by, I would like you to elaborate a little bit on, uh, the human, our life is part of the salon experience. I think I'm really interested to know what you mean by that. Yeah. Um, I remember being at Corte and things were, there were a lot of personal crises going on. I don't think I was in one, but I was surrounded by a lot of people who, a lot of artists that were having some crises. And I found myself in a space of like, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to protect my clients? Because by then I had a healthy clientele. They supported me um, and they believed in me. They really, really believed. I mean, to this day, they believe in me. And I was with somebody and I remember sitting back and saying, my gosh, they have all of the, and there was something that was prior to um, me getting my clientele was while I was at my hair suite. And I remember seeing like, well, this person is getting all of these clients but I'm not, I have my license. I'm good. Why isn't anybody coming to me? Right. So we go down this list of things, everything that it has to be, because it can't have anything to do with me. It would have to be because this is a man, it's a gay man. And they like him because he's, because he's a gay man or he must be in with the receptionist. All of this <laughs> these crazy these conspiratory theories that I had, <laughs> excluding me, right? So <laughs> it's so, I'm glad I can laugh at it now, but it was so ridiculous what I was thinking. Um, fast forward to, you know, I started to grow, get to Corte, and I began reading The Secret. And that had a major impact on me as well, just like The Seed of the Soul did when I was in New York. And I prayed at the time and I said, I want a, I want a big clientele. Like I know what I'm capable of. And no matter what you believe in, anybody's listening, where it's God, spirit, ancestors, whomever. But what I heard was, why would I put anybody in your chair if you don't know what to say to them? So for me, I was like, okay, I need to share more of me. I need to connect with my clients, like outside of me being able to physically do hair, 
there's a deeper part of me. There is a intuitive part of me. There is a part of me that knows how to disarm the client. So when you're mixing in, I had so, I had to this day, a lot of my clients are A-type personalities coming in, knowing what they want with their hair, thinking what they know, they know what they want with their hair, not really trusting. What are you using? What is this for? What is this? And instead of being offended by it, instead of my ego being offended by it, as I grew, I began to realize that, okay, one, you are that client too, because I'm a firm believer that likes attract likes. Like if you want to know anything about yourself, look at your schedule because that's what you're bringing in. And once I began to learn more about myself and insert my life experiences and share, it was opening myself, being vulnerable and being transparent. That opened a door for me where clients, because it was, it's referrals. It's, it's, it's not, there was no posting and, and tagging or anything. Social media wasn't, I think MySpace was, was there and I wasn't even on that. But it's very much the word of mouth was, hey, yeah, this girl, you know, she does great hair. But I just I love going there. I love being in her chair. I feel good after I leave. So that began to shape what the salon experience was. And that's what I mean by life. So I'm sharing New York experience, the good and the, the not so good, the ugly parts. I'm sharing. Oh, my God breakups. I'm sharing fears. I'm sharing me. And that, and it was all in a very genuine way. I'm not just coming to you like, oh my God, my boyfriend did this. No, it's, it's the art of the conversation, you know? Um, so that's what I mean by life that's and good. being a part of the salon experience. That's good. We don't have time to talk about it, but uh, I feel like this is like such a great beginning to the conversation of, uh, you know, there's so many policies uh, and advice mm -hmm. from uh, people on social media about how to handle certain situations at the salon, uh, how to like systematize and automate uh, some of your communication. And while some of it is, some of it might be good. Uh, I feel like you can turn a person into a, you could turn a human being into a commodity, you know? And so I'm, yeah. I'm you know, and it's like, that's not going to bode well in the long run for your business. Like you might be able to get something off the ground because I think anybody can get something ground if they're good enough about marketing and, um, and, uh, you know, getting people in the door, but that doesn't mean they're going to sure. stay with you, you know, if they don't feel yeah. like they're treated like a human, you know? So I'm glad you yeah. said that. So um, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And I, a lot of that, like where I have been probably in the last four years in reevaluating value and price increase, what goes into a price increase and I had to step back and be like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, the hair is looking good. But if you're leaving feeling 200% better and you're able to go out into the world and present better, and that brings another energy to you. So something about that experience needs to be monetized as well. Some like, what could, what, 
what price amount could I put on that? Because it's not, it's not about hair anymore. It's about like, essentially your life is changing for the time that you're here. So that's, yeah, that goes into all of it. And to be able to justify a price. If, you know, someone asks, well, what does, what goes into the pricing? Yeah. All of that. Right. Uh, we're crying and, do, yeah. <laughs> this is all so of that good. goes into your price. Yeah. Uh, that's so good. Um, well, I think uh, bef- before we wrap it up, is there anything, any last uh, pieces of uh, advice for somebody who is maybe getting started in their career or ha- struggling to build a clientele or uh, wanting to open up a salon um, or maybe taking a big step like moving to a big city or something like that? Uh, yeah. Ooh. Um, definitely trust the process. Trust the process. And it's okay to not have it figured out. And there's value in that because oftentimes that leads you to where you're supposed to be. All of that is a part of your journey, your personal puzzle. So don't think that, you know, if this isn't working out or if you feel it's not working out um, and you've gone past your limit of sticking it in and trying it, it's okay to, to go into something else, but definitely value or to find the value in, in the mess ups and the things that don't work out. It's a, it's a, you are where you're supposed to be. That is my, that is my compass. You are where, like, I'm okay. This is supposed to work out. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be in this space, not necessarily physically, but I'm supposed to be in the space of doubt, uncertainty, because that fuels you for the next that's good. So good. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, if you're if if you're listening or watching and you're still with us, uh, then and then you must have really enjoyed this conversation. And we're going to have Ashley Taylor as a panelist on our upcoming event on April thirtieth. So, so please check that out. It's going to be awesome. We're going to touch on you know we talked about uh, some of the things that we're going to be talking about at the event. So if you like this and you want more, definitely check it out. Uh, you can check out the link in our bio and um, yeah, I look forward to um, seeing you in person and having you on the panel. And uh, I really think that uh, there are going to be a lot of people that, you know, really could relate uh, to your story today. So um, yeah, I, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, I do too. Thanks so much, Robert. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, take care. All right.